da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. So we are all three back in the same place for once for the entire length of the show. Uh, I think. We'll see. You have to be determined. Yeah, we might have to kick one of you guys off for a segment. It tends to get a little heated towards the week of recommends, so stay tuned until later in the show. Our behind behind the music is going to (laughs) really behind the podcast. Behind the podcast. I think there's a great idea there. Yeah. There once was I'd a woman that. named Sarah Koenig. <laughs> <laughs> I could do a, the uh, every documentary has the guy that does the self-interview of himself. Look, <laughs> did I make the wrong decision? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, did I actually like Star Trek Beyond? No. No, I didn't. I just had to say that, okay? All right. Okay. Did I make the wrong choice? Yes. All right. But look, you don't understand the pressure that we were under. And then just a black and white picture of us that you zoom out from and play jazz music. Kind of I, I really consider what we do, though, guys, a public service. So PBS <laughs> would probably do our. It would be Ken Burns. Yeah, it would be Ken yeah. Burns. So Ken Burns, give us a call and we'll schedule those interviews. And uh, can't wait to see your finished product. But anyway, good to have you guys back this week. A lot has Welcome happened. Welcome back to Texas, yeah. Kent. Well, thank you. I am back in, in Texas temporarily. Uh, I'm leaving again tomorrow, but it's good to be home. Talking a movie this week called War Dogs that kind of came and went and didn't really get much promotion for this. I saw this trailer a couple times in the theater, and that was really Mm -hmm. it. Didn't see a lot of push in in the media online for this movie. And uh, it's interesting to kind of go back and see and look at this past weekend because this past weekend, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but... Box office wise, uh, this I don't know. I don't know what we're even doing. Um, let's just start off the show with uh, Ben Hur, guys. Um, <laughs> this is this is definitive Oof. proof that Hollywood has no freaking idea what they're doing anymore. Like no one knows anything in Hollywood anymore. I, I'm convinced. Like that. Who? Who? Who in their right mind would have ever thought that that would have, A, worked, (laughs) B, Mm. been a good decision at $200 million, C, decided that Morgan Freeman should wear dreadlocks, (laughs) and D, thought that that movie could work without a A A-list actor in the lead. Like, at least if you put Bradley Cooper as Ben-Hur, like, there's (laughs) at least some kind of like, hmm, I wonder what that would be like. Uh, but when you don't really have an established or mainstream established star in the in the lead role, and uh, you're remaking one of the top ten by many accounts uh, best movies of all time uh, for no yeah. particular reason, one of the most innovative films that's ever come out, one that changed special effects and epic uh, historical epics forever, um, and gave it the release date that they did i just don't understand the thought process behind it i guess the thought process was and this should be no surprise well uh have people heard of it yeah well well is it really big and outlandish Mm. yep uh then that's the reason to, to do it i guess but i just don't see 
how people yeah. who are in the business and like we're not even in we don't work in the business we're not in we don't work in a studio system you know we're not in those board meetings and things like that i just don't understand how anyone the people that are and the people that actually know the more finer inner workings of the industry mm-hmm. greenlit this i just don't see how no one could say hey that has 9 million dollar opening weekend written all over it <laughs> and uh, that that actually made more than i thought it would make i thought it would make between five and seven, um, just from interest level. I guess they thought this would be a big player among the evangelicals, as Donald Trump would like to say. Uh, <laughs> the evangelicals love me. Um, believe me. Uh, it. I just don't see the audience. I don't see the appeal. I don't see the reason it was made. But um, just I kind of want to say I we told you so. I mean, we could have. you could have asked us, you know. Hey guys, yeah. so what about a Ben Hur remake uh, in 2016? But nope, nope. Okay, yeah. thanks. Thanks for saving us 200 million dollars. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what what do you think of this, Brian? I know you're chomping at the bit here. Yeah, no, it's just a massive, massive screw up on every level. Um, you, you named off four good reasons to not make that movie, and and all of them exist. I would also add that uh, Timur uh, Begmambetov, Begmambetov, excuse me. Uh, is not a good director and does not make good films. So you really, you've got five uh, five pretty massive strikes against you. Uh, and, well, it didn't work out. Well, shocker, shocker. That's very surprising. Um, I don't understand what the, what the idea was. If you're, it, don't remake this movie, number one. Number two, if you're going to do it, don't rush it. It was a rush production. I was convinced like two months ago that this movie wasn't going to come out because we hadn't even seen a trailer for it, I think, at the beginning of July. So that's pretty atypical. Um, and then Jack Houston, who is a fine character actor. He's in, uh, oh, what's the the, the Steve Buscemi show on, on HBO? Uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yep. He's really good on He was the only, to me, the only interesting character on that show for, for a season or two. Uh, he played that character, but he's not like nobody knows who he is. You know, like he, no one's getting out to see. He was, he was, he was, he was, man, he was man in cab in Hail Caesar. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm <laughs> so surprised that wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so he's come up uh, quite a bit in the last six months. It's a really big misstep, and it's MGM, it's Paramount. Um, they're going to have a hard time making their money. I read today that they think this would have to make around 200 or 220 million to break even. Right now it's at 22 million uh, total. It might, it might find an audience overseas. I, I don't. I kind of doubt it. But you, there are surprises every year, see, uh, overseas wise. So maybe, maybe. But it would be, it would be a huge thing at this point. I think they would be happy if you if you let them decide that they would only lose like 50 million dollars on this movie. I think they'd be excited about. Listen that, to this. Listen to this run by Toby Kebbell. Who's also, oh, also in this movie, yeah. Ben Hur? Uh, we'll go back to I, I guess pot, first year of the pot, the counselor, okay, mm. and then he played Koba in Dawn of the Apes, which was the evil ape who was good. I mean, motion capture wasn't really mm. a full thing, and then brings us to last year's 2015's Fantastic Four, in which he played Doctor Victor Von Doom, probably the best. Uh, Best villain we've ever seen on screen in a comic book movie. Uh, back in 2012, he did Wrath of the Titans. And uh, 
recently in 2016. He was in Buddha's Little Finger. He was in what? Yeah, he was in Warcraft, and he was in Warcraft and Ben Hur this year. That's quite the 15 month run right there. That's that's impressive. So you're basically going from the Counselor to Dawn of the Apes to Fantastic Four to Warcraft to Ben Hur. That's Mm. like four years of his life. He'll never get back. Wrath of the Titans is also. That's what I just said. Yeah, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, though probably his best work. He's, if there's Tough, anybody that's, uh, I love the Sorcerer's Apprentice too. Gosh, man, like, like what is? That? If he's in your movie, yeah, maybe cut get it out. out. I don't know. Just, just it's not gonna go. Alexander, well. yikes! Yeah, Match Point, <laughs> yikes! Oh gosh, this is bad. And not to say he's not talented, he might be, but just tough breaks. Curse, just curse. He's yeah. got, uh, he's got Kong Skull Island coming out next year, so it still remains to be seen what happens there but man what a what a cluster for the studio i've heard as much as uh 200 million dollar loss on this mm-hmm. i like you said it might make money overseas it might find an audience somewhere uh but that kind of leads I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this richard on uh on ben hur but i have some more box office news uh to discuss go for it no i don't have anything go for it let's we haven't actually talked the Final run. I get it might actually still be in in the theater. The final numbers for Ghostbusters 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was reported a couple of weeks ago that uh, estimations say they're taking a seventy million dollar hit on on Ghostbusters, and it's sad to see. To be honest, I mean, a hundred percent honest. It's I. It's sad that that didn't work. I, I mean. <laughs> If anyone's listened to the show for the past year, uh, you know we we were excited about the cast, the director, uh, kind of the direction they were going to go. You know, it was kind of an all-in approach. And, uh, man, have you has anything flopped? I mean, no pun intended, uh, almost as bad as this critically and culturally than Ghostbusters mm. 2016. I mean, the... I, I think culturally being the big one, because I think critically yeah. it did fine for like a action comedy right it's a what it was it, like in the 50s or 60s consensus on rotten tomatoes i think it was um, fresh i think it was actually like 80 or something yeah i don't know i mean it was so i think it did fine critically and like money but like it made zero i mean that's something if you're gonna do ghostbusters you need it to kind of penetrate every part mm-hmm. of the culture and you know it's one of i don't know 15 properties where you, you, you need it to do that i think like the last movie to to fail on that level with that sort of stakes was probably kingdom of the crystal skull or whatever. Um, and maybe a little bit, the Hobbit movies. I mean, they made a lot of movie money, but they didn't like penetrate the culture like the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings movies did. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, I think I still think if you, if you made it this way uh, with like an all female cast 10 more times that like it's does really well seven out of those 10 times, but just some of the choices they made, and some of the casting and some of the writing was just, mm-hmm. well, they wrote themselves into kind of a corner on it. I, I, I still don't think an all female Ghostbusters is a bad idea in a vacuum. Right. At all. Right. It just was like the execution was just, but I'm a rampant sexist. So who knows? <laughs> we all are. We all are. Any thoughts, Brian? I just, it's, I'm with you guys. It should have been a movie that, uh, that works. I would like for it to be a good movie. 
I know that it scored it scored okay with critics. Um, seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's that's solid, you know. But if you read those reviews, they're not super glowing about the property as much as these women are funny. So it kind of works. Um, I I hate it. I'm I think there's a pretty good chance it'll end up in my bottom ten of the year, and that's a bummer because I don't you know I don't really want it to be there. I don't really want to talk about it anymore. But it is a I think it's a massive failure on a cultural level, and that uh, that I think is that's bad for everybody involved. It's bad for the actresses. It's bad for uh, Paul Feig. It's or uh, did I say that? Gosh, yeah, it's almost. Feig. I always get him confused with with uh, Kevin Feige, and I I uh, stumble over that every time. Uh, I think it's bad for Paul Feig. I think it was a bad look in terms of uh, the marketing. All of it. It's just bad. And and to to take a property that has so much uh, has been so beloved for 30 years and have it kind of take a, a sour note. That's never a great thing. So it's a, I think it's a massive bummer that it didn't work out better than it did. Uh, but I also think I think that's partly societal issues and partly they put a, a pretty bad product on on the screen and asked us to uh, or told us that that we had to like it you know and that's that's really not the best way to make a movie so just to put this in perspective a bit um ghostbusters 2016 currently ranks at number 451 all-time domestic and uh just to put that in a little more perspective uh, it sits right between 1991's City Slickers, <laughs> My which made has made $124 million in 1991, by the way, which was probably Man. huge back then. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and, uh, and 1996's The Birdcage at number 450. <laughs> so right there. Mm. And it just, it's made slightly more than... The 2000s, The Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. So that's that's kind of the category we're, yeah. we're going to leave Ghostbusters 2016 in. Yeah. is right there along with Rango and Nutty Professor 2. Are you guys, uh, are y'all excited for the Criterion collection of Nutty <laughs> Professor 2? comes out later I can't this year. Wait. I already pre-ordered it. It yep. was $70, but I felt like <laughs> probably worth it. Honestly... You know, the book hot, that goes with it. Hot opinion, <laughs> though. Yeah, hot opinion I got, though. The Clumps, far superior to Nutty Professor 1. I mean, narratively, structurally. Right. Say, even a harder HSO, I'm a, have been, always will be a, a Doolittle guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle 1 or 2? Both. Both. I consider it back one. Back. Yeah, one kind of, you yeah. kind of have to watch it back to yeah. back. By the way, really how quickly, sense. how many times have they pitched the Clumps with Kevin Hart though, has oh, some just like gosh. idiot studio guy pitched that like over every month. And like Glenn, no, we're not. <laughs> but eventually he's going to win and get like $150 yeah. million. kind of did it with uh Medea, Medea's house or whatever it is that Tyler Perry does. <laughs> he kind of took over the cross-dressing actor. Uh, <sighs> and they like eight different people on one table, all yeah. played by one person. Yeah. You know, well, he acted up against tennis balls. Oh, great. Good. Cool. Awesome. So stay tuned for our throwback Nutty Professor 2 of the Columbus episode <laughs> coming soon. Isn't the first Nutty Professor decent from what I remember? I mean, I love it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, what year was It was that the one? beginning of Eddie playing all the characters. So that's why it was yeah. so everyone was so mind blown at how he could 
personify all these people. And the professor himself, and I can't believe we're talking the nutty professor on it. The professor <laughs> himself is an endearing character. I mean, yeah, you feel for the guy. I mean, he's sensitive and all that and funny and everything. Um, Eddie Murphy has such kind yeah. eyes that he can make you like any character he plays if he wants to. It's a, it's a weird, crazy, like physical talent. His eyes, nothing about his eyes are sympathetic. Yep. Nutty Professor, 64% on Rotten Tomatoes and has an Oscar for best makeup. Oh, of course. As it should. Yeah. yeah. As it should. Yeah. Oscar winning Nutty yeah. Professor. Perhaps Gary Oldman, things. no Oscars. Nutty Professor, one Oscar. It's good. Justice. That's messed up. <laughs> Please save save that tweet for the Oscars for next time Gary Oldman gets screwed. Well, uh, just just closing thoughts on Ghostbusters until I'm sure the end of the year episode. We um, I just feel bad for the people involved, just the actresses. I hate that anytime Kristen Wiig or Melissa McCarthy or Leslie or Kate McKinnon do anything. From now on, they have to be beaten over the head with the question of, so, Ghostbusters, why didn't that work? Do you think it was a bad decision to reboot Ghostbusters? You know, and all this stuff. And it's just like, ugh. Like, we're going to have to hear about it for the next five to eight years anytime either of them is in the news. Like, and breaking. <laughs> Leslie Jones didn't think Ghostbusters was... You know that's coming in, like, yeah. a year. Sure. I just, also, oh, the just, worst part for me is, like... There's going. He's gonna wait a year because he's classy, but there's going to be like a Dan Aykroyd told him so. Should have been the original cast mm. story that's gonna come oh, out, and no. Brian's gonna Brian's gonna just like <laughs> rip through his ceiling. My biggest question. I don't know if we even mentioned it in the episode. Is that how many times Bill Murray turned down Ghostbusters three? Like <laughs> probably know. turned it down once a month for. You know, 20 years. years. I'm not even kidding. Mm-hmm. Every year since Ghostbusters 2 came out, he was probably approached with, hey, you want to do this? And he said no every time. Notoriously, like, shredded the script that Aykroyd sent him, like, <laughs> sent it back to him, just all shredded, and with a note that said, nobody wants to see old guys chasing ghosts or something like that. And, right. uh, but more confusing is they chose to do this. Like, right. of all the chances that they had to do Ghostbusters and all the ideas that they had, you're like, you know what? This is the one. This is the one I'm going to... And they were all involved, and they can't deny it at this point. Like, they're in the movie in significant ways, and it's just... Again, you're not though, do I don't it, think don't the do idea it. is that bad. I think it's a clever way to do it and still involve the old cast, but, like, just the know. general conceit of, is it a remake? Is it a sequel? Like, they couldn't even figure that simple thing mm-hmm. out. So, like... Mm-hmm. That's that just leads to massive audience like it, it just market it as a sequel. It, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't get like again, like I don't think the all girl, all female Ghostbusters like I get them being like this is the way to do it. And we'll just totally. take supporting yeah. roles roles like in a vacuum. I get that, but I don't get they're like, yeah, this is the script. That's where it that's where you're right. Kent. where it's like, yeah, oh, really that. You've been that choosy. The script was bad. Those, so that's what I mean is because yeah. of all the scripts that they read. Well, this one has a line that says, booyah, emphasis on the boo. This is the one we're going to do. You know, yeah. I, and if you're going to do it, I just don't see why. I mean, if you're going to have them too. And it, again, this is not Ghostbusters episode. We talked an hour on it. But uh, like, wouldn't it have been cool to like kind of have this Peter Vankman scene 
in it where he kind of like tells him the truth about the ghosts and everything and all the stuff that's happened. Totally. Like, wouldn't that have been a cool moment? Like such a passing of the torch kind of thing. If like Venkman and Stance were still kind of buddies and everything and they meet the girls at a bar or something, you know what? Something like that would have been a really cool moment, but it just kind of tried to straddle the line of cameo. They are the character, but they aren't the character kind of thing. And it, it didn't work for me or anybody apparently because it made um it a big flop uh, for the studio and people lost their jobs at Sony because not only of because of the interview and uh and all that stuff that happened the movie the interview but um because of the reception of Ghostbusters so again we'll talk about this later in the year so what do you say we uh, take a break guys and talk war dogs Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, so director Todd Phillips is, uh, is back again and not doing a hangover movie this time. Oh, shocking. Yeah. I really thought that's all he was going to do. His, the rest of his career. Just hang over eight, guys. Back in Thailand again. <laughs> Woohoo! It, it wouldn't What's surprise Liam me. What's ca- character up to? <laughs> yeah. Did you know a little trivia? Did you know that was supposed to be Bill Clinton, the tattoo artist? Yeah. Seriously. Not kidding. A- he turned it down at the last second. He was going to a- do it. A-plus movie if it goes that route. <laughs> so, Wild Hogs. Uh, no. I mean, War Dogs. <laughs> um, oh, no. I just watched Wild Wild hogs. Let's Again. look at the wild hogs. Let's just do wild hogs every week and see <laughs> how long it takes for us to get zero listens. There's a guy. 
there's a guy on Twitter named Brendan O'Hare. Um, <laughs> every Oscars does a bit where he pretends like he's outraged that Wild Hogs didn't win. <laughs> and every year I forget about it, and then I laugh really hard. It's a great bit. So let's get, let's take a look back at uh, Todd Phillips's work. Okay. So most of us became acquainted with him in year 2000 mm. with the Tom Green Brecken Meyer starring <laughs> role of uh, or starring film of oh, Road Trip. Uh, you remember Road uh, Trip? Huge oh, favorite yes. of seventh grade. Richard. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, College Brian really enjoyed that movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, where would we be as a society without <laughs> DJ Qualls, though? I mean, oh, has man. anyone been the same? I want to learn how to, like, DJ just so I can play, like, nightclubs around Dallas, and, be, and my DJ, DJ name Qualls. would be DJ Qualls. <laughs> that would be awesome. The people, oh, he, he just actually starred in uh, Time Traveling Bong, uh, DJ Qualls. <laughs> so. Good. Not making that up either. Our, our review is coming later this year, I think. So <laughs> traveling bong, DJ Qualls like, solo you know, episode for me, guys. Yeah. That weird voice like screams <laughs> your name. I don't know. That's a thing when you're DJing. It would be great if it was just DJ Qualls. <laughs> so, and then he just comes out and does like a yeah. one man show. Not not any DJ skills at all. Just like so, I'm here to do a monologue for 37 minutes. Who wants to hear story? Who wants to hear stories about uh, the new guy? All right, buckle up. Everyone's, oh, everyone's just on ecstasy man. and just staring at it. <laughs> Best concert ever. Is there any, been a more 2000 cast than... Breckenmeyer. Breckenmeyer, <laughs> Sean William Scott, DJ Qualls, and Tom Green. And Don't forget Andy Amy Smart. Smart. Yeah. yeah, Amy Smart yeah. and Andy Dick. Amy Smart. And Andy Dick. Andy Dick, oh my gosh, Andy yeah. Dick. And Horatio yeah. Sands. Man. as the guy who puts the french toast in his pants yeah. the... okay. and i feel a throwback coming on yeah and uh fred ward oh gosh wow. dj calls dad yep you're right what a star studded so, guest yeah so road trip that one exists started. and then old school was next right was that next? old school was in 2003 okay so kind of not kind of great start i guess to his kind of teenage comedy career with right. uh, old school and road trip, and then in 2004, he teams up with Ben Stiller and Owen mm. Wilson for Starsky St- and Hutch. That was my first ever advanced screening. <laughs> Filled out a thing online in 2004 and was like, "Go to see this three weeks early. It's going to be awesome." And it was not. It was not <laughs> awesome. In your opinion. <laughs> yeah, true. I definitely owned a uh, previously viewed Hastings copy of Star- Starsky and Hutch on DVD at some point in my life that I probably you want to autograph. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, your goal in life is to just get the entire Carmen Electra filmography if you can. <laughs> yeah, all six movies. Got a yeah. whole whole rack of them. Uh, no <laughs> pun intended. Well, hey oh, we will. Talk more Todd Phillips, I'm sure, at some point when it comes to uh, his past movies, because he did the entire Hangover trilogy, which lasted from 2009 to 2013, and made a crap ton of money. I mean, a lot of money with those three movies. And I think we're done with them, hopefully. Please, please. The first one, first one is an excellent comedy. The highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time, it won, I think, still. It won... 
uh, I think uh, Deadpool has beaten it out. Or you mean oh comedy? yeah, that is sort of a comedy, kind of action yeah, I mean, comedy. Okay, yeah. But the Hangover and the Hangover Two, I think, are maybe the top three along with Deadpool. Jeez. But it's uh, it won the Golden Globe for Best Picture. Uh, the Hangover. People forget <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, it was a kind of a weird time. I'm back in 2009, dark days. But um, I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking it was funny, but not uh, groundbreaking by any means. Um, oh, man. I thought it was solid, but I, it wasn't like the, uh, I don't know, it didn't change my perspective on comedy or anything like that. What did you think of The Hangover the first time you... Oh, I, I loved The Hangover. I thought it was, I don't know that it was groundbreaking comedy, but it just in terms of, is it funny? I It killed me. I thought it was a hilarious movie. I, I remember seeing it with, I don't know, friends and then uh, coming home and like, <laughs> this is a weird story. I think I, I'm pretty sure my wife and I got married the week that that came out, I think. And I think that's right. And we went to see it. We went on a cruise for our honeymoon, but we had to spend two days in Houston before, which is the worst. Houston is the worst city in America. And we had to spend two days in Houston before our cruise left. And we that's what we saw. We went and saw The Hangover on like the second night that we were married. So we're really cool people is what I'm trying to tell you guys. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> I thought that was a hilarious movie. And I think if, at least personally, if there wasn't, if there was no such thing as a hangover two and a hangover three, I think the hangover would still be very high in the, in the pantheon of, of quality comedies of, of the last, you know, 20 or 30 years or whatever. It's, I think that movie is hilarious. It's just, it probably doesn't age all that well. I haven't seen it in five, six, eight years, whatever, but uh, it doesn't age that well. And those sequels are so bad that it totally diminishes whatever you know impact or or appreciation you might have for, for the original. Yeah, and maybe it was uh, a little overhyped for me. Maybe that was my okay. issue because sure. everyone was saying it was the greatest comedy of all time. I thought Zach Galifianakis was, of course, that was kind of his – coming out party as a comedian uh no one really mm-hmm. i mean he had been around forever i remember seeing yeah. watching zach galifianakis on jimmy kimmel live back in the mm-hmm. day as like the third guest and he would just come out of these as these weird characters and stuff and um always liked his work but he'd never done big stuff but so that was great and they just remade it with the hangover part two uh they just yeah did the yeah. hey let's just do the same movie but in a different location right um, it was very lazy and I haven't even seen The Hangover Part 3, and I have no idea what it involves because and I was completely out after Part 2. I was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I did see The Hangover Part 3, but I cannot tell you what it was about, so that should tell you something. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was the same thing. It was the exact same movie as, as the others, just just not funny. But I don't, I don't remember what the conceit was anymore. Very weird time for... Todd Phillips and the fact that he did 2006's School for Scoundrels <laughs> starring John Heater and Billy Bob Thornton. Well, and anytime you can direct a movie with uh, John Heater, you, you got it. <laughs> 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 that was so funny to me. Anytime you can get the opportunity to work with yeah, John I mean, Heater. Look. Who do you want to work with, John Heater or uh, I don't know Ryan Gosling? <laughs> wow, it's Napoleon. Himself. But I will say, a little bright spot in Todd Phillips's career, besides old school, is Due Date, 
fun little comedy. You like date? Okay. Fun little comedy with Steve Carell and Tina Fey. And um or actually, no, that's date night. No, yeah. Due date is the one with Galifianakis and uh yeah. and Downey Jr. And that's yeah. not good. Uh, no, I hate that date movie. Night I was is. about to say, gosh, I hate that movie. I hated yeah. it. Oh. Yeah. That's like a meat like one of the least funny, more just straight mean comedies that I've that I've ever seen. Like I just remember feeling you know, I don't get offended easily, but I def I definitely felt like this is just a really, really mean spirited movie. And if you I guess if you do that and it's funny, then okay, but it it it, it wasn't. So, so that's Sean Levy not, is who did date night and he also yeah. did the internship and the watch. So that's why I was confused with Todd Phillips. Yeah. Like, are they the same person? Yeah. Has anybody be. seen Sean Levy and Todd Phillips in the same room <laughs> at the same time? Are we, is it a kind of a pin name kind of thing happening here? And also heavily involved with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, like weirdly mm-hmm. coincidental night at the museum and all that stuff. But uh, I digress. And which brings us to war dogs, 2016's war dogs. And this is kind of the, more serious turn if you want to put it that way for Todd Phillips. Maybe he's turned a corner in filmmaking and he's going to try to bring kind of the screwball comedy that he brought to old school to kind of these serious topics, maybe do more action comedy than uh, comedy per se. So yeah. this is kind of the, it's set in reality based on a true story. And, uh, Almost I, any director could have made this movie, I feel like. It's not uh, mm-hmm. necessarily a Todd Phillips-like special. Um, it has funny moments, uh, but it's definitely not, it definitely doesn't lean all towards comedy. I don't know what you guys thought of this, but for me, um, Jonah Hill held this together for me. Totally. I don't think it yeah. would have worked in any sense, really, if you didn't have as strong of a personality, as strong of an actor as strong of a character as he develops in this movie uh that's what kept me going kind of just to see what happens to him um i just think the total and it's hard for me to say this because there aren't there's not much competition i'll be honest um yeah as far as miles teller goes like he i mean he's really all that's out there if you're wanting that kind of you know guy like tom hanks kind of kid next door kind of thing. Well, there's um, one other choice, Ken. I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> DJ Qualls? Well, yeah. Okay, two choices. Uh, hint, he co-starred with Miles Teller in The Spectacular Now. The Cup? Yes. The Cup had a pretty cool cameo in this, though. In the car, <laughs> it was cool. They're obviously yeah. friends, which I always like to see, you know, off camera, too. Yeah. I mean, they clearly have a bond doing more than one movie together, which was mm-hmm. always cool. And here's yeah. my deal was- with... It's like Pitt and Clooney. Here's my deal with Miles Teller. Um, Stop. He will he will get jobs for the rest of his career yeah. because mm. of the spectacular now, and because of because of, uh, because whiplash. of whiplash. I don't yeah. I don't think so. I think the oh. spectacular now shows exactly what you're getting with Miles Teller more than anything, as far as uh, like I said, that kind of nostalgic kid next door guy next door character um i honestly like whiplash is good he was fine in it but i I didn't think that he made or broke the movie in any sense uh if that had been i don't even if that had been jesse eisenberg 
playing the drums, I think it could have, I mean, it, what was great about it was that he was actually playing the drums. Maybe that was what made the difference in uh, Miles Teller being a whiplash. But I mean, when I think of whiplash, I think of A, the music, and B, J.K. Simmons. Like, he's. And C, not, DJ Qualls. And D, and D, a bloody <laughs> snare drum. Like, he's not even in the top five yeah. things I think about when I think. And Damien Chazelle and the direction and the, the cinematography. Right. I mean, I just think about so much of that movie aside from Miles Teller. And um, here's my deal. You could tell he was trying in the spectacular now. Um, I felt like he, you can tell he's not trying in anymore in any of this stuff. He's not trying in war dogs. <laughs> he wasn't trying in fantastic four. He's, mm-hmm. he's said he's not trying in the divergent movies. Like he's <laughs> right, gone right. on the record saying, I, I literally show up and leave. Like that's it. Um, I, I just don't have respect for him. Like yeah. you're given this tremendous opportunity and he had, he almost brought nothing to this movie. No mm-hmm. personality. Um, him and Jonah Hill have no chemistry at all as friends. I didn't believe they actually knew each other or were longtime friends like you did, you know, uh, Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, for example. Right. But it's just a miscast. And um, he's been given this tremendous opportunity. I mean, he, he just has such a sense of entitlement, I feel like. He feels like he's made it as a as an actor already, and I never felt like that with a lot of like Leonardo DiCaprio. I never felt like he wasn't, you know, he had everything. He was in the mm-hmm. biggest movie of all time when he was like seventeen or eighteen in Titanic, or, or you know, very young in his career. But <laughs> the next things he did, I mean, the beach was, I think, the next thing. But I mean everything he was doing after that was he was bringing it and bringing it and making great choices and, and giving it his all and really trying to hone his craft. I just don't feel like, I feel like we've seen the best we're ever going to see from miles Teller. I guess that's kind of my, yeah. my no, point. Totally what do you, yeah. Fantastic four. No, I agree. <laughs> that's yeah. what we're ever going to see out of him. I think you're totally right. The, uh, it's a bad look. What he, <laughs> He's kind of turned into like he, he's at least on the path to becoming like the male Catherine Heigl, where he doesn't seem like he's particularly uh, fun to work with. Um, and then he he kind of perpetually is talking crap about movies that he's done in the past, and that's a really that's a really bad look. It's and it's a bad way to uh, to keep your your career going because. Uh, you know, people talk and people people read this stuff. You know, people people in the industry read that GQ article like we did uh, last year when Fantastic Four came out. And that was a boy. That was as about like whoever his publicist is should be fired for letting that article, that interview take place and the article get out because it it was very damning and it was all in his own words. And that's oh, that's such a bad thing. Um, I think he's fantastic in Whiplash. You're right in the sense that. Uh, he's probably like the fifth thing you think about. I think he's. That, I think this is just a great movie. movie. Well directed. I agree. I'm just saying, anyone could have done that, and we would have been like, he was great in Whiplash. You know what I, I mean? I think it's not isolated I think to Miles Teller. I think you're right, except I I would differ and say that his performance is great, and so yes, it is not the thing that makes that movie work uh, by any means, but he he gave it up. He gave it all for that movie, and he he had this one incredible role. I hate the spectacular now, but he's good in it. It's not. It's just that I I just hated watching that movie. It's not not anything really even to to do with him. Um, 
I think that he is going to get roles for there's a there's a limit at some point. Um, if you keep stacking up movies like War Dog and Get a Job and all of these terrible Divergent movies and Fantastic Four and the awkward moment and and on down the list. And I'm looking at what he's got coming up and I'm not super excited about any of those things either. Um, it takes I would say it takes three to five years for Hollywood to catch up. So he's going to keep getting roles based on Whiplash and Spectacular Now to a certain point. But Whiplash came out in 2014, where in 16, Chazelle cut him from, I don't know if it's La La Land or the next movie that he's got, but it, they had sort of a, a falling out, and that, I think, is, is pretty damning as well. He's got maybe another two years to get it, to have something else that serves as like kind of a a stopping point or, or a way station of like, okay, look, he, he actually can still act. Like we just have to find, you know, good roles for him. Um, cause I thought to take it into discussing this movie, I thought he was friggin' terrible in this movie and he gets a, or maybe I get adjusted to him. I got adjusted to him as the movie went. Uh, cause I, I wasn't, I didn't notice how bad he was in the last 30 or 45 minutes. In the first act and and really through the second act as well, it's jarring, yeah, dude. It feels like Jonah Hill is uh, is acting opposite like a blank wall, yeah. and so yes, there's no chemistry between them. I'll give him one. The only thing that you can say in his defense is that Jonah Hill is ba- is doing the the crazy guy, and and he's having to do the straight man. It's harder to do the straight man than it is uh, the Jonah Hill bit. The you know the kind of out there. Uh, charismatic, over-the-top character, but there are ways in, there are ways to do the straight man that make you look charismatic without, you know, this um, boisterous outward charisma. You know what I mean? And we've seen that done time and time and time again. It's hard to do. You have to to try, and you have to do it right. And uh, man, it doesn't. You don't get the sense uh, through the movie at all that he that he's actively engaged in trying to make this thing work. And I. I would love to get uh, I'd love to get Jonah Hill's uh, and, and his real thoughts on how this went because it there were times where it felt like Jonah Hill was like pleading with him with the eyes like dude can you please can you just give me something to work also, with here also and, and I could know. be wrong because I may have missed something but this is normally the exact type of movie that you do like buddy press tours with mm-hmm. like you do the rounds together because it's like essentially a buddy film and they are. I've seen Jonah Hill solo on a million things, but not yeah. together. No, I'm not trying to read in anything. Maybe they're great friends. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. Actually, right? um, I hate to say actually, but I listened to Jonah on Howard Stern this past week. Uh, he was there promoting this. And Howard Stern is, I've said before in the show, the best interviewer of all time. He's like, he straight up asked him, you, you hate Miles Teller, don't you? <laughs> and Jonah <laughs> has gone on there so many times and just talked about oh Leo is just the best guy awesome friend oh Michael me and him we talk all the time oh me and Channing oh we're you know we're so close they're such great people you know and I think when he was asked about Miles Teller he was like uh listen I'm not going to talk about anybody you know gave that like wouldn't wouldn't say Uh, just yeah, yeah great dude um and I think he said like listen you're not you're there's it's it's a business there's just certain people you're not gonna have chemistry with or get along with. It's just, it's just a fact, you know, basically saying that he hated working with 
with Miles Teller. And it's just, it's, it's getting to the point publicly, reputation-wise, where he might not get work. And you, just because he's becoming such a piven that yeah, nobody yeah. like his he, nobody's going to want to work with it, it's not going to be worth it to work with Miles Teller anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And that's sad. I, I feel like Jonah is the most not the most, but one of the most genuine actor guys out there. Like really, really cares about movies and making good movies, and like takes his craft very seriously. I know it's weird to say for Jonah Hill, who's done so many crazy like things like, and this is the end and Django Unchained and things. But I mean, uh, when you don't get respect from him, like there must be something wrong with Miles. Like if Jonah Hill can't at least appreciate you or say anything nice about you, like you really must be a, a bad guy. But I mean, you're right. It's hard to play the straight guy. It just, I mean, could this, could this have been set? Maybe cast a few older guys. Like, could that have been Jason Bateman and, somebody else you know what i mean like could can we get somebody who's proven themselves as the straight guy to to play that role uh i just don't it's it seems like they were going for a box office push right here rather than what was best for the movie or todd phillips just said hey get me the two hottest male actors uh right now Mm -hmm. and they called jonah and jonah doesn't take any barely any projects anymore and he said yes. They're like, oh, great, great. Or Jonah read the script and was like, I can do something with this, you know, because mm-hmm. it's such a such they a had crazy... that story that like it took like four meetings to get Jonah Hill. And then uh, when he finally agreed to it, he was driving away and he saw Todd Phillips like walking from the studio, fist pumping himself because he was so psyched <laughs> to get Jonah Hill. Yeah, um, I don't you know. I don't know if that's apocryphal or not, but that's the story they're I mean, telling. Yeah, so that's that's. I think it took some convincing to get him to do this. Is my point. I'm sure it takes convincing to do everything. And it just, I bet, I just bet Miles is like, uh, war dogs. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's about you guys kind of smuggling weapons and, uh, you and Jonah Hill. Oh yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know, cool. You know, kind of a thing. I just don't, he probably gets a lot of offers, but I just don't, it just doesn't seem like he cares. And I've said that and I'm done talking about it. But as far as war dogs goes, this movie really kind of opens a lot of questions. I think that's kind of its main point is to make us think about, wow, what or what really is going on over there all the time? And uh, how can people get away with such things in a very similar sense of The Wolf of Wall Street to make a Jonah Hill comparison? Um, it really made me... I, I mean, I didn't know about all this. I didn't know uh, how the military gets their weapons. I didn't know that uh, about the whole bidding process and everything. To me, this was more educational than it mm. was entertaining, if that makes sense. Uh what did you guys think generally about uh, plot wise, plot wise, and uh, about this movie, Brian? Yeah, I knew some of the stuff involved, and it's not this particular story. I went back today and read uh, the Rolling Stone article that that kind of got the ball rolling on this movie. And and yes, yeah, so there was some education to it. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird system. Anytime you get the government involved, it's always kind of a weird setup. It's never straightforward. It's never easy. It's always. Uh, Always seems like it's got to be, uh, you know, through a bunch of whole loopholes and and whatnot. Um, in this particular time period, especially, we were doing some weird stuff uh, with our <laughs> with our overseas efforts and foreign policy and and uh, wartime stuff and all that. Um, 
it makes for an interesting movie, right? Like this is yeah. a cool story to to delve into. This has Martin um, Scorsese written on it, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, in some does, sense. I think that's my biggest takeaway from from this movie as a whole. And I, I don't want to just completely dump out like everything that I want to say, but Jonah Hill's so good in this movie. He's so good, and he's he's gotten to the point where I think I'm late to the train on this for for whatever reason, um, but. I look forward to his roles. I feel like I'm 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 consistently um, underestimating how good he is for whatever reason. I I don't know why that is, and I, I've got to I've got to recalibrate because um, I don't know how many in a row this is, but it's he he's not missing, and everything that he's doing um, is so uh, ambitious and uh, and has so much character to it he brings so much life to every role that he does and he does he's doing different things in every movie it's not the same character i'm i'm so impressed with him this is incredible work but it almost feels wasted because this movie as a whole is is fairly slight like there's just not enough to it it really isn't deserving of uh the kind of weight that that jonah hill is bringing to the to the table and that's you know, I, I don't mean that to be an insult to Todd Phillips or to the story or or anything like that. I I'm in, I'm relatively impressed with how Phillips put this together because I didn't. I mean, this is a different kind of movie than what he's done in the past, and I he would not have been high on my list of of directors to take this movie. And I think he did an admirable job with it, but it does feel like this should be a. Uh, you said Scorsese, and that's that's now the the only name that sticks out. But like. It seems like this should be the kind of uh, this should have been released in like November, and it's a very Oscar-y sort of film with a great director and a lot of weight to it. And uh, instead, it just it kind of feels like Jonah Hill's out here doing this thing, and it's awesome, and he's really really good. But it's almost uh, in some ways it's almost a waste because you know you're not really getting that from the rest of the movie as a whole, and you're he's certainly not getting it from from Miles Teller. So. It's it's kind of a weird uh, a weird example of like incredible acting in an an okay movie. Nothing wrong with the movie, but it doesn't really measure up to to how good he and what he's bringing to the screen. It's a very flat line movie to me. Um, sure, it's just kind of there. <laughs> Todd Phillips did write the screenplay to this, so that kind of explains his involvement. Um, I'm not sure if a movie like this would have ever gotten made, but I think directorially there were some bad choices for example yeah for example the like title cards that they would show between mm-hmm. not even between every scene but it was very randomly and it would just be a quote kind of i guess foreshadowing what's going to happen sure but sometimes I, the, sh- the the quotes were before you kind of got what they were doing like why those cards were being shown like oh that's going to be foreshadowing what the next scene mm-hmm. is or what's about to happen and i think it works somewhat maybe like I think they do it eight times in this movie, and I think it works uh, narratively maybe twice uh, in the movie. Like I think there's mm-hmm. one uh, one time where it says uh, we're in serious effing trouble or something like that, uh, like on the card, so you know something bad is going to happen to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of a cool choice, but like other time, it just was too much. It's a good yeah. concept, a good idea. Uh, it was just too much. And speaking of Scorsese, like he rips off the Scorsese style with this. I mean, almost verbatim, yeah. like with a, yeah. the narrator and I'm going to use slow motion camera and I'm going to do freeze frames on mm-hmm. characters' faces at weird moments. And uh, it, it almost seems like 
he would have had to call Marty to, and <laughs> say, hey, you know, can I do this? Like, are you going right. to be offended if I almost completely rip off your style of mm. not only writing, but of directing and cast your, the guy who you brought us. I mean, Jonah had had success before the Wolf of Wall Street uh, with Moneyball uh, Oscar wise, but nobody had seen Jonah like in, like in the Wolf of Wall Street. That character right. was ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, he's doing a similar thing here. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's almost as if he yeah. saw the Wolf of Wall Street and's like, I'm going to do that for, you know, war crimes or whatever, or smuggling, yeah, smuggling you know, goods. You add that stuff to like some of the musical cues are really bad mm-hmm. uh, and, or, or at least very cliche. I, there were some that were like, okay, that works. But early in the movie, especially um, Passenger and oh, freaking Fortunate Son and like these, these songs that we harped on this in the Suicide Squad uh, episode and it's not anywhere near as bad as that but like a lot of these are just really kind of like the most cliche choices you could make and they come in at this moment where you just you're expecting that exact and to me you add all those things together and it comes across like somebody who is uh it's like he's trying to if you didn't know who Todd Phillips was and what he had directed previously I feel like you could come out of this movie thinking that's a guy who's trying to change his name or trying to make a name for himself in a different way than he's trying to change up his, his look, uh, whether we knew who Todd Phillips was or not, you know, he's trying to do the, it's like he kept walking by the editing bay when McKay Mm -hmm. was doing the big short and just getting like quick, like glimpses out of it. It It's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. Totally. Um, Obviously, you know, these were being made for at least some point during the same time. So, I mean, I don't think that's actually what happened, but it's definitely like, comedic director trying to bring some of that flair to mm-hmm. weighty drama, but McKay yeah. pulled it off and this didn't quite, but you know, the, a lot of that, I, I would, I will say this about this movie. It wouldn't, if you told me that Phillips was doing another movie with this kind of tone again, like a little more heavier, I, I wouldn't be like totally turned off. Yeah. Totally. I think a lot yeah. of it is, is the casting a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a complete cluster. It's just, no, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm fairly impressed with what he was able to do just based on what I know about Todd Phillips. I just, right. Or, or what he's done in the past. It not just quite enough KY wrestling, but <laughs> enough. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, it, it feels like, uh, if this movie might have taken itself a little more seriously, then maybe it would have worked better. I mean, maybe if you had the, what Jason, uh, what uh, Adam McKay did, I was going to say Jason McKay, that's a coworker, Adam McKay did, and <laughs> kind of cast the Ryan Goslings and the Steve Carells, you know, the the actors that not only have that kind of dramatic weight, but also have the maturity and the respect of the audience. I think Jonah Hill works here, but I mean, if you had gone a little maybe older and more mature with this and more serious with this, in all honesty, maybe this would have worked. You know, if that movie poster was, I mean, I hate to say this, but Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, like we saw it earlier right, this yeah. year, like maybe yeah. that that subject matter for the nice guys didn't work yeah. generically. But I think this is a cool storyline. I think the trailer works well. I think it sells itself well. I think there is definitely a story to tell here. I was interested in the story. Um, but I was I found myself turned off by the characters and the cliche ness of the characters, mm-hmm. especially 
going back to Miles Teller and Miles Teller's girl and their kid or their relationship yeah. that he had with her and all that. I would just every time it flashed yeah. back to that, I was just like, Can we go back to Jonah Hill and the war dogs part of this, mm-hmm. please? Yeah. I just don't yeah. care. They're you trying to establish so much emotion that just doesn't yeah. work. It, what's interesting to me is that the reason why they cast Jonah Hill and Miles Teller is because these guys are really young. They were like 20, I, re, I yeah. think they're 21 sure. and 25 or something like that uh, when this stuff was actually happening. And so they're trying to go young and that's great. But then there's really nothing about them that screams youth. You really don't get a, a true sense of like the brashness or the arrogance or, or the stupidity of, of what, you know, you, you kind of expect from these guys at 21, 25 doing what they're doing high out of their minds. Um, it's really weird to, to be so insistent on, we've got to, we've got to stay young with this. Uh, and then just kind of, you almost abandon that. Not to mention that Jonah Hill's 33. And I mean, he plays, he can play all over the place. He's outstanding, but I mean, I don't necessarily feel like he was 22 years old in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, so it, you know, to your point, if you're if you're going to go that route, then if you're going to kind of abandon the youth culture of it, which, by the way, they totally did by having Miles Teller have a girlfriend and a kid and all this stuff, which, as far as I can tell from the story, is not accurate. Which I don't care if it's inaccurate, but but it does kind of take away from this sense of uh, wild and free and brash and and dumb, you know, young dumb idiots that are out there just creating a war or feeding a war machine. Um, it takes away from that when you keep grounding him with, um, you know, with a, with a girlfriend and, and a kid and all that. It's, it was an, yeah. it's an odd choice. It's an odd choice. It's definitely an odd choice. Richard, any thoughts on the, the, I guess, B plot of this? Um, not that, that you guys haven't already said, I, I, you know, it's, it's definitely a stretch. I, I will say, I mean, I think, and part of this direction is, and I praise you know, Phillips on, on the whole and, 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 and he'll obviously brings it in terms of like the intensity and things like that. But at the end of the day, that character, though, it's a pretty good performance is pretty shallow and it, it's a stretch to ask us to care more than surface level about them. And maybe that's just how the actual person was. So that's yeah, a little bit of a, a lot to ask. I think this is where to do, yeah, but this is where you, <laughs> You have to take liberties with the phrase based on a true story. I mean, you can take elements of life and real things that happen and create your own character with that. Like you, you, oh, these guys were 21. We got to find people who can play 21. Like, does that matter? Mm -hmm. Does anyone care that they were portraying the actual people as accurately as they should be portrayed in a movie like these this isn't bernie madoff these aren't people that you know what i mean these are, <laughs> this isn't somebody yeah, yeah, who yeah. we know like just tell the story i I mean i just i just think it would have served itself better if it had taken more liberties honestly with uh creating an interesting story rather than trying to tell the true story if that was mm. it and if that if you're right brian and that wife thing or girl thing isn't any has no bearing on uh, what actually happened, mm-hmm. then it's just pointless. Um, yeah. You can have a yeah. love interest or uh, something like that without doing it the way they did. And uh, that kind of offended me as well. But funny moments with Jonah Hill that I enjoyed were, uh, obviously his his laugh was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, 
scene at the very beginning where he tries to go buy weed off the guy and the guy shows him the gun and then he goes back to his trunk and pulls out the machine. I thought that scene worked great. And that was one of the first scenes in the movie, maybe the second scene that we see Jonah Hill. And I was like, this is awesome. Like this is gonna like, if this is where it's starting, I just don't even know where it's going to go. And it kind of toned down after that. Like we get the sense that, yeah. And he's shooting, shooting a machine gun in like a public neighborhood, you know, or whatever. And uh, that's kind of the craziest thing we see him do in this movie. It was kind of a kind of anticlimactic in a way, but um, I thought that was funny. And another hilarious moment to me, and I, I maybe was the only person that laughed in my theater was when we first see him at the funeral at the beginning, and he's just like touching the lady's face like sympathetically, you know, <laughs> like the old lady, <laughs> like I'm yeah. so sorry for your loss, you know. I, I just thought that was so funny the way he played that. Um, but he's extremely talented. Oh yeah. And what do we think of the actual plot line of this? The whole bidding on guns, uh, whether this actually happens or not, I have no idea uh, to the extent that it happens like this. But uh, my whole question was, and I don't know if they addressed it. They might have with a line or two, but it, it wasn't clear to me. How do they get the capital to do all this? Uh, was it the fact that he was doing the smaller jobs at first? Like he said, like Jonah Hill says, he was he started out, you know, selling. I don't know, not uh, not guns in the military, but he was doing what he called the crumbs, I guess, in this movie. Sure, yeah. Uh, did he start out doing that and then got the $300 million that way and then was able to bid the contract for the government, the 300 You know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand yeah, yeah, where they got yeah, the yeah. capital to purchase all the... Right, yeah, well, it was I mean, kind of I know a jump. It was kind of a jump, yeah. Uh, but in the in real life, yes, they'd, they'd built up some capital through their small stuff, and then they had... Uh, in the movie, it's Kevin Pollock, the, uh, Piven. the Kevin <laughs> yeah, totally a Piven, the uh, uh, dry cleaning owner. In real life, it was a some sort of a rancher in Utah who just had a crap ton of money um, that backed them financially. And then they, you know, you pull all the strings together, and it's all about your. Uh, we're gonna pay you afterward. The deal is done, or it all came in in pieces in real life. So like they do a $600,000 job here that profits a million bucks, you know, then they use that million bucks to turn it into uh, you know, a $3 million job, you know, things like that to kind of slowly sure. build yeah. towards that huge ammunition thing. And then I think Bradley Cooper's character is, is kind of floating some of that as well, whether through cash or yeah, I figured, I figured as much it'll get paid over. You know? Yeah. I thought he was more of a connection on here's what you need to do rather than a financial connection. <clears throat> I, sure, I, it was yeah. just a big jump for me from, we're doing small time crime to like the next scene. They're bidding a $300 million government contract. Right. right, right. And that was yeah. just kind of a leap. And I didn't, didn't really expect that, but what do we think of where it ends up? I guess we'll hit spoilers right now. So spoilers coming up now for war dogs. Um, as far as the Chinese ammunition bit goes, um, it's kind of the climax of the movie the mm-hmm. fact that like, Oh, we'll just put them in different boxes, you know? Yeah. And I was kind of a, like, really that that's it. Like that's the big twist is that the box, the bullets were Chinese and all they have to do is put them in different boxes to ship them. Like that mm-hmm. was, why did it take so much debate and like, we need yeah. to fly out there and all this stuff. Hey, yeah, just, just repackage it and we're good. <laughs> like, Oh, okay. You know, I just, 
I felt like this movie was leading up to something more than what we got, you know? Like, yeah, I, I feel no, like there's still so much more to be told. Like, I feel like there's something that happened that we didn't see in a way. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know. Sure. What do we think about the sure. climax? I think it's one of those movies in, in the, the story itself, you know, I read today, just kind of lends itself to a really interesting first and second act. And then the third act um, is just there's not a whole lot there beyond, you know, again, spoiler alert, them, you know, getting arrested and going to jail. Like, But you can kind of see that coming from a very, very far off place. So that's not that interesting of a, of a conclusion. So, I, yes, I thought a lot of the kind of twists, quote unquote, to get to that in game or not necessarily unnecessary, but they certainly weren't dramatic. It was just kind of a thing that ha- it's just another plot or another point in the in the plot to to move them along. But it wasn't uh, anything that I was you know like oh man wow. I was yeah. just like yeah obviously you just repackage it like the, yeah. you know I'm not an international arms dealer and I I think I would have figured that one out pretty quick. You know it was a, I think the movie needed to be 20 minutes shorter and that's where I would have cut. It's just kind of come into that third act and and pare it down a little bit i agree there's uh also some tension built by the fact that they had to drive the guns themselves like through the border uh, i didn't really believe any of that at all yeah that's that not action. a thing i don't yeah. i don't <laughs> it was a fun scene though i'll give him that yeah it was enjoyable it was yeah. vintage todd phillips like chaotic the hangover yeah. kind of slapsticky which is fine but mm. what do we think of bradley cooper and what he, I guess, tried to bring to the table. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, always weird, good to uh, see him. But it was a very weird performance, and I didn't quite know what he was, what he was going for here. We're in a weird Bradley Cooper era, I think. Like he's in his, I don't know, crystal period or something. I, I still think he's great, but like he's making interesting choices. Not all of them are hitting, but he's he's trying. Yeah, that movie that didn't work last year at all. Burnt. Like where he was the celebrity <laughs> chef, remember that? Yeah, it didn't work at all. I just he's in kind of a weird, weird place. Uh, he's coming off um, American Hustle, which was, I mean, that's right after The Hangover Three. He had an American Hustle, so good move. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, American Sniper right after that. And Oscar then, nomination, even yeah. if it's not a great movie, right? And then we come to more recently, and he has Aloha and Burnt oof, oof. and Joy back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Not a good, not a good look. I think this was the time where he planned like this is when the A Team sequel would come out, and then it, that didn't really take <laughs> off. So right. he has this weird lull in his yeah. schedule or something. By the way, if he wants to Kickstarter. Uh... Uh, a team sequel. I'm Brian man, loves the A team. Totally, and I freaking love the A team. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but man, I, he, I dig that movie. Huge Rampage Jackson fan. Yeah, he's my easily what? my favorite actor. <laughs> actor, not not boxer. My favorite actor, <laughs> Rampage Jackson. <Yeah. laughs> That's funny, but I mean, he is still in Guardians, and he's said mm-hmm. like, Just like my favorite boxer is Mickey Rourke, <laughs> the, the boxer, uh, the wrestler. He um, he is in Guardians, and he said, like, I've made more off that than anything I've done, you know, easily, yeah. like, just to yeah. do the voice. So I guess that's kind of what he's still yeah. doing. And well, uh, he is playing the role of dog in A Dog's Purpose. <laughs> Coming like out. Nine Lives, part two. Uh, yeah. Jeez, this looks terrible. I don't even want to look at the poster. Does okay, he have um, kids or something? Oh, Dennis what? Quaid's in it. That's great. So it's got to uh, be good. Things are going well for him. 
You know, it's, I think he's got a little bit of Matt Damon in him in that Matt Damon will just show up and do whatever part he wants to do, whether it's good for his career, bad for his career, big part, small part. If he likes the script, if he likes the idea, if he likes the character, if he just likes the guy who's making the movie or the woman that he could be working with or whatever it is, he'll go and do it. And I, I think he's got a lot of that in him. I like that about an actor. I like that, um, you know, Bradley Cooper will show up on that, the limitless TV show, you know, or just whatever he wants to do. Yeah. I'm in totally. Um, I would like, I, I do kind of feel like he's at a, a place where he maybe needs, uh, something to, to, to hang his hat on, you know, every once in a while, but rather than, you know, three, four, Meh, movies or or really small parts in a row. He's actually directing a movie called A Star is Born, which comes out next year. Oh, that's right. He is in it with Lady Gaga, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm. And he, it's One about, of my favorite. Yeah. It's, it's about a, great, a, it's a movie remake. star helps a young sister or singer actress find fame even as age and alcoholism send him into his own career of a downward spiral. And Lady Gaga, I'll say, I'll say right now, incredibly talented, maybe the most talented like actor singer out there. Like she is incredible in everything. And I'm excited to see that. Like she, she can sing and play the piano and act her freaking butt off. And I'll go out and say it. Huge fan. Love me some Gaga. Me keep, too. Keep is, is he in it as well? Or is he just directing it? Cause I he's know like, he, so he's the Chris Christopher. He's playing the Christophers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she's going to be the, the strides. Cool. I'm in on that. That's something that like, that's something that's a classic. Um, it's and definitely, I mean, and hopefully this one has Gary Busey in it as well. But, <laughs> uh, but like that's a movie that I don't think this generation really knows as well yeah. as rather something like Ben Hur. So it's like I'm yeah. kind of okay with them remaking that. Plus, that one was a remake because they made that. I think they remade that like four or five times because I think it's like there's one in the 30s, one in the 50s, and one in the 70s, and now one now. So yeah, you're right. Jeez, yeah. We'll Judy see. Garland in the fifties one. Oh man, the queen. She might be the best. Well, um, interesting to see what Bradley Cooper will be up to uh, from here on out. But interesting times. Interesting times for mm. for everybody involved with. I feel like he dogs. can at any moment though, and I think he knows this. Like saddle up and leading man it up in something that's good. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think he's lost his fastball at all. He's no, just totally. like kind of taken a season or two off, which is right. fine. He, yeah. he has said on multiple times that he does a lot of stuff because he's just friends with people. Like he yeah. did that movie Serena with mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence. Cause they had, they did silver linings and she was just like, yeah, come do this movie with me. And she's like, cool. Like didn't care how much he got paid or whatever. Like he just mm-hmm. seems like a really cool guy who's just appreciative to be here you know right. unlike miles teller unlike right. yeah freaking totally. miles teller i wonder totally. what happens why he'll always get roles like he will he's got 20 years of bad movies that people will continue to give him kind of credit for you know what i mean they'll they'll still say uh but yeah he's had a rough run but it's good you know so he's got so it's much my theory on kevin hart i have a theory that kevin hart is the nicest person on the planet yeah yeah, like Henry, Henry Henry Winkler level nice. So it's like <laughs> eh, if his movies only make so much and they're thirty percent rots, but eh, I like Kevin. Give him this one. Yeah, give him the clumps remake. You aforementioned. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what happened to the Jonah Hill Richard Jewell movie. Remember that that was going to come out? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I don't oh, see that on his list of announced movies or pre-production for Jonah Hill, but that could have been something 
something to look out for too. I think DiCaprio was producing it or something like that. Ballad of Richard Jewell is still listed as project in development, but no, like, you know, he's not shooting. There's no date or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't know what will happen with that. Well, interesting times indeed for the people involved in war dogs. And, um, for me overall with this, I'm just so kind of down the middle with it. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it's a fun, I think it's a fun subject matter. Like, it sounds bad to say that about a movie about war, but I, I mean, they do kind of have a lighthearted tone about this kind of a social network feel to it all. And it was educational and uh, sad in a way that a lot of this still goes on and probably goes on like where the U S government is getting screwed out of a lot of money uh, all the time. And they spend a lot of money uh, on other countries. I think that's kind of the commentary here is uh, this, Mm -hmm. This movie just kind of tries to tell us, hey, we're funding all these wars around the world. Like, that's just kind of <laughs> what they're trying to tell us. You know, whether we're involved or not, we're sending weapons to people that cost cost the U.S. taxpayers billions of dollars a year. Uh, and I guess, what do you think he was trying to get, or Phillips was trying to get so political with this or more just there was a story to tell, so he told it. You know, like, was there a message yeah. to you with this? Uh, no, and if it was a, if it was a Scorsese movie or or something with a little more heaviness to it, then it definitely would have hit or hit hard on that. Like if Adam, you brought this up, Richard. If Adam McKay makes this movie uh, with you know slightly different cast and, and places, um, I think it's you know I, I think at least I think it's it's this year's Big Short, right? Like if this was the breakout movie instead of uh, instead of the Big Short, I think it would have a lot more to say than in some ways. To, it's an easier movie to make. Uh-huh. Short, yeah. Because you don't have to explain all the minutiae. Yes. Yes. I'm interested to see when Bradley Cooper is going to win his award because he's got to think like in the back of his mind. If American Sniper didn't get it done, it's never happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> How much he freaking gained weight and did all that training and yeah, the but accent. It's, and... Hollywood's not going to go for a movie about a sniper. <laughs> it's got to about... be a movie about Hollywood for the most part. That's your best <laughs> way to win an Oscar. Yeah. That's kind of. That's kind of true. That's why La La Land will win Best Picture this year, and yeah. you can or get attacked by a bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is La La Land the most Oscar-y movie ever? Maybe I don't know about ever, but um, I mean, you're <laughs> it looks fantastic. You're combining can't, like can't wait a great director with freaking musical. Like Hollywood loves musicals so much that they gave a silent musical Best Picture and the artist. <laughs> you know, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like almost the uh, straight uh, beeline to the best picture nomination if you can throw a musical together. And then, but then we always regret it. Like five years, I don't not saying we'll do that with La La Land, but it's always funny. Like something like Chicago's nominated for like a hundred Oscars, and then three years later, they're like, "Uh, you know what movie I hate? Chicago." Like, they, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Those yep. movies hold up at least in like in terms of being great, great, great films, like people get, it's the same feeling you get. Like when you leave the theater of a live musical, you just are like on fire if it's good. And I think people have that right when they see this. And so they get a bunch of word buzz. And then like two years later, they're like, Oh, that was kind of, it's pretty lame. <laughs> Some underrated work from Riley Cooper. Place me on the pines. I missed that movie. Oh, we yeah. did an episode it's on that. Enough. Yeah. And, uh, underrated movie. I need to go back and watch that one again. Really enjoyed that it. That director has something. I can't remember what. This is a terrible segue, but I 
He's got something coming out. Yeah. His name is Derek Sean France. Right. And we saw his last movie, which was The Place Beyond the Pines and Blue Valentine before that, but it's called The Light Between Oceans. Yeah, there you go. And uh, one called Metalhead as well. I think about the Ninja Turtle character that uh, they actually build a robot named... No, I wish. I want to see the director. It's about a story of a heavy heavy metal drummer who blows out his eardrums and adapts to a world of silence. So we'll see where where that goes. But I rant, uh, I digress, and uh, I'm on a tangent now. So we'll get to grades. I'm going to give War Dogs a B minus. B minus. Brian. Fair. I'm going to go just slightly higher and just go a straight B. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I oh, think I, I thought this would be. I thought this was going to be very bad. I mean, yeah, I thought this here. was. Same I here. saw that. I mean, like I said, it sells itself well, but I mean, yeah. Jonah is makes anyone. The movie. Yeah, Jonah like, makes a movie, but is incredible. anyone going to take Miles Teller seriously when it comes to war politics? I just don't. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't have a Hopefully. formula to me. Uh, yeah. Okay, Richard. I'm going to go slightly below. You can't. I'm going to go C plus. There. Okay. Well, War Dogs is playing now, so let's move on and hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, I'm going to recommend a, uh, a book I uh, listened to recently um, about uh, about a little TV show uh, called Seinfeld. It's called Seinfeldia. Uh, it's kind of a, it's not only kind of a biography of the, of the show, but also how it has continued to penetrate our culture through various, uh, means over the, the, uh, oh gosh, almost 20 years since it went off the air. Uh, it's a really fun little book. If you listen to an audio book, I would, uh, recommend one thing. Uh, it's got a little speed, you know, you can play it at different speeds, play it at time and a half speed because the narrator literally reads the book. Like this. Maybe you got paid by so the you, minute. Yeah, Not I don't know. So it's like a nine and a half hour audiobook for no reason. So if you audiobook it, just put it on time and a half, and it sounds exactly like I'm talking to you right now, like just normal speed. And so it becomes a six hour audiobook. So uh, a little quicker that way. But it's interesting. A lot of uh, fun insights, some, some thoughts you haven't thought about in a long time if you're a Seinfeld fan. Ken, I would definitely recommend it to you. Uh, Seinfeldia. I am a Seinfeld fan. I appreciate you associating me with that. Uh, Brian? Normally I think of you as a third Rock from the Sun fan, but second (laughs) is Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, far superior show. Um, French Stewart for life. 30 Rock, that is, or third third Rock from the Sun. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that uh, came out in 1988. It is coming out on the Blu-ray, and as I continue to uh, buy things in physical media and I will never stop, I'm, I'm very excited to receive my copy from Amazon in the next day or two, uh, it's called Midnight Run. It stars Robert De Niro and future American treasure mm-hmm. Charles Grodin. It's, I think, is like maybe the most criminally underrated movie of the era because uh, I don't think it has oh. a whole lot of cultural sway with uh, with those darn millennials and such. And it's that's a shame because it's it's a fantastic film. It's hilarious. It's a kind of action comedy about Robert De Niro playing a bounty hunter. And he's trying to uh, bring in uh, Charles Grodin, who is trying to escape the mafia and the FBI and, and all that. It's it's such a funny movie. It's so great. The chemistry between them is unbelievable. 
it's so weird to think about Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin is such an interesting guy and uh, has done so few, uh, has had so few roles despite his incredible talent. Um, this, I think this is probably his best role and he's really fun playing opposite Robert De Niro. So check that out. I'm sure it's also available on, you know, streaming services and such. Uh, but there's a collector's edition Blu-ray that came out today, uh, that I am super excited about. And I could cool. not recommend that movie high enough. Richard, what about you? Yeah. Uh, have you seen uh, hard knocks yet? Have you been watching? I've seen episode one. I have not seen, it's not available on HBO go, which is, how I do most of my HBO. Oh, I thought it was. I thought I watched it on there. It, maybe maybe it's, now. Maybe it's like a, I think it's like it has to be a few days later or something. Like okay. the contract yeah. allows them gotcha. to do that. But yeah. So I do, yeah. I do most of my HBOing on my laptop because that's just something I do if I'm in a hotel or something. So I have to be home. So I've only got one episode on the on demand. Uh, but, you know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west <laughs> and the hard knocks is great every year. Yeah, Gosh. it is. Uh, it's always Kit, good. Yeah. Where do you stand on Jared Goff? Richard and I were talking about this the other day. I've only seen the first episode as well. How do you, uh, having seen, having worked in the industry and now watching the show, where, yeah. what do you think happens with Jared? Goff? I mean, cl- classic rookie. I think what mm-hmm. the, the the people with the hard knocks, and I have a friend, uh, a coworker actually. She was with the Texans last year when they were doing hard knocks, and just from talking to her about it and her being on crew and everything, she like, you have to create characters and you have to create storylines. And I think the character that they've created with Jared Goff is an idiot. You know, like you can <laughs> sure. seriously through editing, you could make anyone seem as cool and as stupid as you want. Um, Kent does that I think it Brian only, it only, <laughs> I mean, it only creates for a better story if Jared Goff ends up being great. Like, oh yeah, my yeah, gosh, yeah. this kid was nothing. Like, look at Hard Knocks. Like, he didn't know it's anything, like you know? It's fun when Ryan Lochte's good at swimming and he's an idiot. But then yeah. when he urinates on your gas station, it's not as funny. <laughs> fun as when he's an idiot. Exactly. I mean, um, my opinion on him as a player, uh, he was my number one quarterback last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we ended up, Dallas ended up with, I think, um, the sixth best one on our board. So, uh, according to the Cowboys board, so he would be significantly preferred, uh, on our team, sure. but, um, I'm happy with the person we got. And I think as a player, he'll be fine. Uh, he just needs okay. time. He just needs reps and, and all that. But hard knocks is such an interesting watch. And, and like I said, it's all reality. I mean, it, they don't tell guys to say anything. I really do throw it together from, uh, from actual, you know, clips and everything. They don't, it's not scripted at all, and it is it is reality. So it, that in of itself, is, it makes it worth the watch. It's, it's a really like a eight-episode documentary, but always a good watch. So catch up on Hard Knocks, Richard. We'll have to talk about it later this year. We wonder if, wonder if J.J. Watt's going to work out at night. Like, <laughs> he comes on and he just is like, I took a private jet from Houston camp to the Rams camp because they just aren't giving me enough reps. You mind right. if I work out with you guys? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I found there was a gym that was open, so I flew out and yeah. had to take. You guys got any tires? Giant tires? There's also, no. There's also oh, a gym on my plane, so don't worry. I worked out then too. <laughs> he he's I'm so down on him. He is like the uh, guess. You know what? It's my birthday, but I don't care. I'm gonna spend it with my teammates, getting better at what I love. Like, just shut up. <laughs> just shut up. You know, I'm gonna start, like, you're not I'm gonna fooling start. anyone. <laughs> He seems to like 
be a cool guy. He has a lot of like he hangs out with Jennifer Aniston and things like that. But I mean, I'm cool. totally out, I'm totally out. And the Texans suck. I mean, he's the best <laughs> player in the league, and they suck. And just watch the just search Tony Rome, Tony Romo, JJ Watt, and have yourself a grand old time. He makes him look like an absolute fool. But um, I want to recommend. Bojack Horseman season three yes. on Netflix. Yes, yes, God, yes. This yes. might be the funniest cartoon. I mean, Gosh. top five of all time. Like it is so freaking funny, and Will Arnett absolutely kills it. That you were right, Brian. It takes the absolute funniest parts of Family Guy and yeah. keeps them oh, there and yeah. gets rid of all the awful part of. It. You know what I mean? It knows. Yeah. Yeah. It knows its tone. It it it's it knows. The joke to tell and when to tell it doesn't go over the top. Um, mm-hmm. It's there's such subtlety to it. There's such dry humor to it, and I mean it's about a freaking horse man, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just love when they flash back oh, to like man. horsing around the show he was yeah. on and everything. I just think it's so funny. And um, season three does not disappoint. So Netflix Gosh. exclusive BoJack Horseman. Have you seen it yet? You, the new season. I am like I think I have three episodes left i may finish it tonight have you have you seen it's episode four that he's underwater the whole time uh, yes. have you got to that one yet? yeah that's seriously one of the most impressive achievements in in tv show making that i've ever seen like yep. if you haven't seen it it's not a spoiler so like almost the entire episode is is uh silent or at least there's no real dialogue because he's underwater and he can't talk uh and it's it's so affecting and man, I, the fish, show's it's hilarious. called fish out it, of water. Yes. But it also, it, gosh, it has more to say socially than, I don't know, like any, <laughs> that certainly than any cartoon about a dumb horse has any business. Being. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible what they're able to accomplish and the, the conversations that they're having on what should be a really stupid cartoon, you know, man, Netflix is just knocking it out of the park with, original programming i mean it's I, I still haven't seen this boz lerman show have you heard about this yeah the i haven't watched down? it boz lerman is way low on my list of, of preferred filmmakers like he just doesn't make movies for me uh but I'm, i'll probably check well, no it out. one understands hip-hop quite like him so. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. i think right. outside of game of thrones uh the get down it was like the most expensive show ever to produce yeah, like it's so ridiculous uh how much they spent on it but Netflix is just printing money, man. Uh, they're they've got so many. They got $10 a lot of misses. I mean, everyone. There are a yeah. lot of shows you never hear about that they do, uh, like Lovesick. Have you seen yeah. that? Or Grace and Frankie? Re- I guess you kind of hear about that a little bit. But there are so many kind of mediocre or cuckoo with Taylor mm-hmm. Lautner. I don't know what that. Uh, I think that's you a know, movie, original movie. But the thing is, there's so, and it's partly, it's partly that the medium allows for it because, like NBC. They have everything they do is so public. Um, and so like if they if they drop a pilot out there that sucks and that's just terrible, then everyone knows about it immediately. Actually, everyone knows about it two weeks before it even premieres and it's it's a big deal and all that. They are so good at picking which of all these properties. And we saw last week, I think, or a week before that they've greenlit like 71 more properties for the next year. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it's just it's insane. They are geniuses at picking which of these things is going to be big, which isn't. And then they just kind of like slide those kind of crappy ones in where no one really even notices and, or pays attention. 
And if you do, they're like, but hold on, here's Stranger Things. And everybody's like, oh, this is great. And so we just completely ignore their their success rate probably isn't that great com- considering how many shows they're dumping out there on a regular basis. But their highs are so high and their lows just get swallowed up by all the, the, the positive stuff that comes out that it's a genius model. It really is. Like they're They pick and choose. I mean, they're mm-hmm. like, would we rather produce this Boz Lerman show or get Seinfeld, you know, like they, they mm-hmm. really do have to make choices and, uh, it might end up biting them. But I mean, the, for every bad show that they've come out with, they have a love or a Kimmy Schmidt or a stranger mm-hmm. yeah. things. I mean, stranger things has, got to do been an episode, said it, it's, they said it was denied 15 to 20 times by major networks. Uh, I just don't mm-hmm. see how it, that's possible. Who wouldn't have thought that that could have been worked? I mean, maybe not as a movie. I could see them saying we're not going to spend $100 million on this movie, but to say a TV show, you know, especially with how well uh, Walking Dead is doing right now and how horror is horror sci-fi is so big. Like, how did Sci-Fi Network not just eat up S- Stranger mm-hmm. Things, you know? Like, how did that, I mean... You know, maybe maybe I the pitch wasn't good. Maybe like got to make Sharknado, bro. There's so much that makes <laughs> makes yeah. Stranger Things great, and just the subtle nostalgia of it all. You know, the 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 settings and um and uh, the costuming and everything is so good. But like the cinematography and the score, the musical score is so good that like you, it's it's something you could never could have expected reading a, a page you know what i mean like that element yeah. of Fantastic. of what it brings yeah. i mean it is a, it is incredible yeah. television it really really yeah. is uh save it hey, we got a blank spot on the on the schedule in like two weeks we, let's do an we episode should. then we should i mean those kids they're, they're all incredible. They're, they're like the shows awesome it, it i mean you see one like screenshot of that group of kids and it's like it's so iconic already you know what i mean like how they found all those kids and put them together was is amazing in itself, but uh, Stranger Things, Richard, do you need to get on it? And we need to do it. We still didn't do an episode on that OJ series on ESPN. Did you guys ever fi- finish that? Did you ever finish yeah. it, Brian? I'm still, I think I got through four, and I've still got the fifth one sitting on my DVR, so probably missed the boat on that one at this point, but I, I will, it's great, it's great. I just started it late and uh, never finished it. We missed the opportunity on a lot of oj talk this year we could have had yeah. like four hours of oj talk yeah. with all the and, and our friend steven out. would be an absolute international superstar at this point because he would be on every episode and just everyone would love him well, i'm gonna get him on one of these days would have been cool to have a crossover episode with with our friends at real crime profile and to yeah. talk oj that would have been a fun little yeah. crossover so check out real crime profile on on itunes they're a uh, they're a show on a, that are with our same distributor, Wondery, and uh, they talk about real stuff. They have some former. I think they talk with FBI agents and things like that about. Uh, it's an awesome show. Current, it's a really, really good podcast. So, so check that out. But um, where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle Twelve. You can find my writing at MadAboutMoviesPodcast dot com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which we are gearing up for the September issue of that uh, week after next. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or at RichardBarden dot com. And yeah, good time while you're thinking of this. Hop on to MadAboutMoviesPodcast dot com slash newsletter and enter in your email. Submit it. Uh, we we send this out once a month. It's really fun everyone seems to enjoy it 
Um, we have quite a few uh, people that receive it, but the more the merrier. It's a great uh, quick read while you're at work or uh, while you're in line for something. It's about a five to ten minute read every week, every month. And uh, that's I promise you, that's the only email you'll ever get from us is the newsletter. We won't spam you or anything like that. But Brian will occasionally send just pictures of his face, which is weird. Yeah. Um, just super yeah. up close pictures. Yeah, of they're his really, face really zoomed everyone. in. It's really kind of <laughs> yeah. jarring. It's disturbing. Yeah. I don't know why that's more. It's more unsettling that they're super zoomed in, but um, <laughs> just they, no like, they always look like landscapes when you go in that close. Um, and uh, <laughs> wow, that's and that's uh, <laughs> that's our tour where we can find you. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, oh. that's where you can find me. Gosh, you can find show. me on uh, on Twitter at Kent Garrison. <laughs> And at KentGarrison.com. <laughs> but uh, you can also find our show online at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com and on iTunes at MadAboutMovies. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on iTunes. Tell a friend. It helps grow the show and it helps uh, bring uh, more people to the MAMFAM, which is what we are all here for. But uh, if you like what you hear as well, we have a donate button on the website. You can donate the amount of your choosing. You can buy a t-shirt. I think we literally have like two t-shirts left of this shipment. Yeah. And, we, another design and they're only size large, so we're sorry. Yeah. Um, but we have uh, another design coming. As soon as these sell out, we'll get another other design up and running. And uh, I want to say thank you to the sponsors for making this episode happen. Seriously, hey. take advantage of these deals. These are awesome deals, awesome companies. We would not rep anything on the show that we would not think would be beneficial to the people that listen to the show. Uh, so those, the people that have made this show happen have benefited us greatly. So say thank you to them. And it's a great way to support the show and giving yourself something in return with these great products and uh, great promotions. So do that. Thanks so much. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, what are we talking about, Brian? I believe there's uh, hell or high water. Yeah. Hell or high water next week. Okay. Very excited to talk about that. So until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me yeah, yeah.